This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. Oh, there's a horse. And this is friend of the show, Sean Cole. I'm at West 39th and 11th in Manhattan. Oh, there's a horse. A horse-drawn carriage, of course. There aren't just random horses wandering around Manhattan. Though there probably were at some point. I am actually going to meet a woman to talk about cows. It's hard to believe now. Now, this area is really industrial. There's a bus depot. But this part of Manhattan, the westernmost part, between, say, 34th and 39th streets, this was cow country. So we're talking the late 19th, early 20th centuries. You had cattle being herded across 12th Avenue, which is now the West Side Highway. Nicola Twilly is the woman I wanted to talk to about cows. She writes a blog called Edible Geography. There are pictures of 12th Avenue showing the cattle here, showing cowboys, which is crazy. Get a long little doggy. And cows were brought to this part of town to be made into beef. You've heard of the meat packing district? Well, this was like the meat hacking district. It was nicknamed Abattoir Place, and it was a hive of bone boilers and hide stretchers and lard renderers. So this, if you can picture it, would have been a disassembly line for every single part of a cow. The cows would be ferried across the Hudson River from New Jersey. On a cowboat. And land at the dock here. And at first, you know, marching a few cows across 12th Avenue to the slaughterhouse was fine. You can hold up traffic for that. But then came more cows. And more cows. And more folks in their carriages. And then the train came through. And cars. All of a sudden, cows are are in the way. I mean, cows move at a different pace. And so there were reports of epic cow jams on 12th Avenue. What does a cow jam look like? That sounds horrible. (laughs) I know. I know. I think it was just people felt like, you know, the pace of cows and cowboys and cow droving on 12th Avenue was no longer suited to modern life. So... So, so this is what we're here to talk about today. I cannot wait. Me neither. Here we go. That's why people invented things like the cow tunnel. The cow tunnel. Cow tunnel. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> Let's hear it again. Cow tunnel. Cattle tunnels. Say it again! Cow tunnels. <laughs> it's just, whenever you say it, it's funny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, you have to love them. Cow tunnels. Cow tunnels in Manhattan. Or as Nicola called them in a piece she wrote for Gizmodo, the lost cow tunnels of New York City. And when Nicola says that people invented things like the cow tunnel, for the purposes of this story, that really could mean one of two things. Either people invented the tunnels to march the cows underneath 12th Avenue to the abattoir, or people invented this crazy cock and bull story about the cow tunnels. More bull than cock in this case. Because everybody loves a good, vaguely plausible urban myth. And so, Nicola Twilley has been on a years-long quest to figure out whether the cow tunnels ever actually existed. Because, after all, the idea of cows loping along under your feet in New York City, at least how we think of New York City now, is insane. And this is a woman who writes a blog that's generally about food and place. And if anything exists at that same intersection, it is the cow tunnel. Just a dedicated infrastructure for animals like that? 
It's a new genre of architecture. Exactly. The cow tunnel. When you think about all of the tubes and, and tunnels and weird things that are underneath the street, we have tunnels for cars, we have tunnels for subways, we have all these tubes filled with electrical cables and the internet and all this. I mean, why shouldn't the cows have their own subterranean infrastructure too? Nicola first happened on the Cow Tunnel story by chance. So I was reading a book called Raising Steaks by Betty Fussell. It's Fussell, actually. Steaks, of course, is spelled S-T-E-A-K-S. Yes, the kind that could be porterhouse or, uh, yeah. Or T-bone. Exactly. Or sirloin. Any any of the above. Or striploin, rump. Rump. I like saying rump. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Skirt. And she's reading along. And there was this one little passage on page 22. You could miss it quite easily if you were reading too fast. It's a sort of two-line thing. And she says, Traffic was so heavy in the 1870s that a cow tunnel, in quotation marks, was and capitalized, actually, was built beneath 12th Avenue to serve as an underground passage. And it's rumored to be there still, awaiting designation as a landmark site. And then she just carries on, you know. <laughs> as late as 1880, Horowitz writes, blah, blah, blah. That's and one. That's literally one sentence. Exactly. And I thought, that's weird. I wonder if they're still there. So I Googled it. And then what did you find? I found Brian Whiprud, I think is how he pronounces his name. Yeah, that's how I pronounce it. Brian Whiprud is a utilities specialist for Widlinger Associates in New York. It's a structural engineering firm. What I do for Widlinger is figure out how to get from point A to point B underground in New York City. Like if Con Edison is cutting a trench for electrical cables, they need a navigator. As well as investigate all kinds of anomalies and strange things that they find underground when doing digs. So Brian went searching for the truth about cow tunnels more than 10 years before Nicola. In 1997, he published an article in a local, local newspaper called the Tribeca Trib, which is what Nicola found in her web search. The headline was Bum Steer. I will summarize it here. Brian's talking to a con ed worker named Fred. Just Fred, huh? Just Fred. No last name. And Fred says he was watching a work crew install a new drainage basin downtown. Which is, by the way, nowhere near the site of those old slaughterhouses. They dig and dig, and then finally they hit this kind of wooden barrier. Wooden. They break through it, and it's hollow on the other side. And then a quote-unquote old man from the neighborhood steps up and says, Oh, I see you found the cow tunnel. So Brian walks this story around, asks a whole mess of people, and everybody's heard of the cow tunnel, but when they talk about it, the facts are never the same. But A, it's somewhere different, and B, it's made of different items, and C, it was built at a different time. And when Brian finally circles back to Fred, Fred says, well, actually, I never saw it. It was a buddy of mine who saw it. So again, that's how Brian told the story in his article in 1997. Sitting in his office with me in 2014, he told it this way. We were digging some test pits for uh, Verizon. Wait, but so 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 you were dig- you were there and digging and and right, and so we've dug down about five feet, and there's this brick curved surface that looks like a vaulted roof, 
So now the story has completely changed in Brian's mind. Suddenly, he's the one watching the work crew, not Fred. And in this telling, the blockage they hit while digging is brick, not wood. And he talked this way for another 10 minutes before he finally stopped and said, Wait a second. You know what? And you sort of caught me in the beginning of this because I was like, gee, I could have sworn I saw it. And then you're just like, you know what? I'm thinking back of the article. I didn't. And so, <laughs> so I'm, just, I'm doing the same damn thing Fred did, aren't I? Yeah. Want me to tell you how big it is and where it goes? I see cattle tunnels every day, man. There are, there's one over there. I know. I started doing the same damn thing. This is what happens with the cow tunnels and why the truth of them is so hard to get a hold of. It's like as soon as you start to retell the story, it gets loose and begins to bend. It's like an instant fish tale, except it's about cows. And somehow, the folklore of it just stretches further and further out until nobody can remember how the story started. And so, when Nicola Twilley wrote her first blog post about the cow tunnels in 2010, she went solely off of Brian's article, which uncovered nothing, and that one line in the Betty Fussell book. But around the same time she hit publish, a little shred of hard-ish evidence popped up the cow tunnel version of the Shroud of Turin. It's a coffee table book called New York in the 19th Century. You have it here. Yes, and there's a picture in here that shows... This is an 1877 engraving from Harper's Weekly of a cow tunnel at 34th Street. Cattle being driven up through a tunnel, looks like a wooden tunnel, and it says, Tunnel from the Dock. Huh. Emerging from, it's almost like... Emerging from the tunnel, and there's a cattleman there with a little whip keeping them moving. Uh, and then they're strung up by one foot and, and <laughs> summarily executed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the rest of the pictures get kind of gruesome. Yeah. But um, wow, so that seems to be yeah, so evidentiary. Right there is a picture of a cow tunnel, and it's like okay. Well, I don't know about that though. This is Nicola Twilley again. I mean, you can't actually see where the tunnel is. But there's a cow emerging from a tunnel. It's an engraving, not a photograph. But there's a cow emerging from a tunnel. (laughs) Well, and the cowboy in the picture is about two foot tall, so there's all kinds of problems with it. The cow is about (laughs) ten times his size, so I don't know. I wasn't wasn't buying it. Mm -hmm. I needed more. I needed more. So she did what she says bloggers like her never do when they're researching a topic. She called people. I talked to the city's director of archaeology, and she sort of let out this sigh as if she'd been asked this question before. (laughs) Oh, really? Well, after I wrote about them the first time, it sort of bubbled up on a few blogs, and I suppose those people were actually doing their job and called her. (laughs) And uh, she had said what to them, probably what she said to me, which was no evidence, never found anything. And the woman was like, well, why don't you talk to the head of the Greenwich Village Society for Historic Preservation? They got the meatpacking district preserved. So I talked to him, Andrew Berman, very nice, very apologetic, sorry. No evidence of cow tunnels. Jeez. I know. So I am about to really fully write these things off as a myth when I decide to call C.C. Saunders. Of Historical Perspectives Incorporated, which basically consults with big projects, construction projects and that sort of thing. And and they gauge whether there's historical, archaeological, important stuff in the area. (laughs) Important stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that's my my dumbed-down layman's take on it. She calls me back from a ferry on the way back from Staten Island. She'd just been doing a dig. Oh, of course they exist. 
Yeah, no question. Like, don't be ridiculous. I'll send you the blueprints as soon as I get home. After all this, there are blueprints? Yeah. I don't have an original at this point, um, but I have the copy that we put into our report that we did when we studied the reconstruction of Route 9A, otherwise known as the Westside Highway. This is not C.C. Saunders. Correct. I am Feline Schneiderman. I have never been C.C. Saunders, <laughs> but I've worked with her for about 26 years. And C.C. said Feline was basically the cow tanalian at their shop. So back in 1991, the state contracted historical perspectives to do an historical study of that former meatpacking area at 12th Avenue in the upper 30s. This is when the state was looking to redo Route 9A. And Feline wrote the report. So she did a ton of research, looked at all these old maps and documents, and built up this picture of the kinds of structures that used to be along 12th Avenue there. Um, tenements, warehouses, cattle tunnels. Uh. Stop right there. On the very, very last page of Feline's report about that meatpacking area, page 28. Could you just read what it says here? Sure. Well, an underground cattle pass uh, was built and used by the Pennsylvania Railroad Company. It, it extended about 200 feet beneath 12th Avenue in the shoreline to the block between West 38th and West 39th Street. Um, pardon my bad grammar, back in 1991. It was not meant to say that it was 200 feet beneath 12th Avenue. It was 200 feet long and beneath the avenue. <laughs> Misplaced modifier. Uh, the tunnel was built in 1932 and may still be present. Wait a minute. 1932? I know. That's late. Yeah, and, you know, that was during when all of this construction is going on in the city. Or being planned, at least. New bridges and tunnels. Cars are more and more a factor. And you've still got cows needing to get, again, like 200 feet from the dock to the slaughterhouse so that New York could, at the end of a long day of building have steak for dinner. And so how big was it? The tunnel, uh, nine feet wide by seven feet high. And that was ascertained from a New York Department of Docks permit number, Manhattan point six seven three dash a Wow. Yes, so. That seems pretty ironclad. Well, yeah, I would say it wasn't ironclad, concrete clad, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> to actually see a blueprint again nicola twilly i it was sort of a you know a lottery winning moment i i felt pretty good um it's I like did, finding a, a like a the, the designs for the lost city of atlantis exactly exactly i mean it really i mean i was i was pretty stoked and so so what what did you think then well really i thought i have to go out there and dig <laughs> So we're, like, roughly... Roughly here. Roughly here. After looking over the blueprints, Nicola paused for a minute to write up a new blog post and then went out to the area where the tunnel had been to see if there might be any sign of it, any hope that it might still exist. Some people swear it's intact. Um, that the tunnel's intact. That the tunnel's intact. People have said that if we... We, we might be able to find an entrance in one of the piers, in one of the buildings, without having to excavate the roadway itself. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there is the West Side Highway construction. When you think about the Javits Center, when you think about the Lincoln Tunnel that we're standing right next to. Most likely, if Cow Tunnel there was once upon a time, it was pulverized in all of that construction. And any void 
was filled in. Wait, so you, you have a blueprint of it. So how do you know it was actually built instead of just planned? It's on other maps that were made of the area later. Oh, I see. And, and it's in the 1953 port series from the Army Corps of Engineers, which I don't really know what that means, but there it is. And, <laughs> and actually, in her research, uh, Nicola found evidence for that other tunnel at 34th Street that was in the Harper's Weekly picture. There's this New York Times article from 1875 that talks about it. It says, there runs a tunnel under 12th Avenue where the animals are brought into the shambles. In fact... The cattle are never seen by the outside public from the time of their landing until they are converted into beef. And, and that's what's so interesting. It's such a pivotal moment. We are beginning to become completely detached from where our food comes from. This is, these are, you know, cities are becoming things that somehow get fed mysteriously and invisibly at this precise moment. And apparently there's also one other cow tunnel of historic importance in Boston that also no one knows whether it exists or not. Au contraire, Nicola Twilley. Au contraire. So wait, the train right now is going through what used to be a cow tunnel? No. We do know whether the cow tunnel in Boston exists. And it does, except it's in Cambridge, Mass. I stood on a bridge up above it with Charlie Sullivan. Uh, the way the way this neighborhood developed, the the uh, cattle market was established over on Massachusetts Avenue um, quite early, before the railroad came through, um, and farmers would drive their cows here uh, over the roads. Um, Charlie's the head of the, the Cambridge Historical Commission. He says there used to be cow pens on either side of this bridge, the Walden Street Bridge. And a cow tunnel, called the Walden Street Cattle Pass, was built so farmers could drive the cows from one pen to another. They didn't want to let them loose on Walden Street, so... Because they might... Because they would get loose. Like loose-loose, they might like yeah, walk... loose-loose. Walk yeah, I mean, into yeah. Harvard Square and cows, go have a cappuccino. Uh, cow, right, yeah. Cows have minds of their own. Anyway... This cow tunnel is now on the National Register of Historic Places. But other than a plaque that mentions it, you'd never know it was tucked underneath the railroad bridge, off limits to the public, next to an active rail line, which is fenced off so that people don't get hit by trains. So in short, the commission preserved a structure that no one can see nor has any access to. Correct. The only way is to hop, try to hop that fence. You want to do that? Be fun. It would be fun. Interesting way to spend a morning. I'm not sure that I'm able to do it. Okay, um, that's okay. So, um, but feel free. Please tell me that you hop the fence without him. Please tell me that you hop the fence without him. This is not going to sound too wonderful. So, when Charlie was well out of sight and couldn't be accused of aiding and abetting. Yes. And I am in. Like Flynn, sort of. And I climbed down this steep embankment through all these thickets. Oh my god, here it is. I can see it. The cow tunnel. Oh lord, this is exciting. It was basically a brick dome. Original brick. From 1857. Oh man, it's covered in graffiti. And gated with a big black gate. Moo! No echo.
99% Invisible was produced this week by Sean Cole with Sam Greenspan, Katie Mingle, Avery Truffleman, and me, Roman Mars. We are a project of 91.7 local public radio KALW in San Francisco and produced in beautiful downtown Oakland, California out of the offices of ArcSign, an architecture firm who, if the need arises, will design you the most beautiful cow tunnel you've ever seen. Cow tunnel. Support for 99% Invisible comes from our curious and generous listeners who appreciate a little urban planning in their urban myths and from Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website, portfolio, or online store. My friends at the Answer Me This podcast, you know them, Helen and Ollie and Martin the Soundman. On the show, they answer questions sent in from the audience. Here's a question from Jamie in Milton Keynes. I go to a boarding school, so Ollie, answer me this. Does that mean that my parents don't love me? No, Jamie. It just means that they love the convenience of not having you around more than they love you. Yeah, they love you, but they do regret having you. It's such a great show. It comes out every two weeks and I barely make it between episodes. Anyway, using Squarespace, Ollie created the Answer Me This store at AnswerMeThisStore.com where they sell old episodes to help support the show. And it's a functioning, clean e-commerce site created by Ollie, who will freely admit that he has no skills in this arena whatsoever. Think about what you could make on Squarespace tonight if you possessed actual knowledge. Sign up for a free trial now at squarespace.com and if you decide to purchase, use the offer code INVISIBLE and save 10%. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. Podcast enabling support is also provided by Tiny Letter, email for people with something to say. My friend Sean Cole always has something to say. What do you have to say, Sean? Cow-tunnel. I suppose you could have guessed that tinyletter.com. It's free, easy, minimal, and powerful. The simplest way to send an email newsletter from the great people behind MailChimp. We are a founding member of Radiotopia from PRX, and all the members of Radiotopia last week released a new episode around the theme, The Long Shadow. We did the episode about Whip and the Raycats. It was quite a popular episode. The brilliant radio show, The Truth, imagined the discovery of the Voyager spacecraft in someone's backyard. And the theory of everything connected Walter Benjamin, the Wu-Tang Clan, and Hitler, because that is what Benjamin Walker does. It is a text that tells us Media is something worth fighting about. And if we don't fight about it, the consequences are potentially enormous. It was probably the greatest week of radio that has ever happened. You don't want to miss it. Search for Radiotopia in iTunes or go to radiotopia.fm and listen to all the episodes in the Long Shadow series. If you want to support this and other shows in Radiotopia, email support at prx.org. If you like the stories on this program, you can get more and more and more of them on Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. But there will be cow tunnels at 99pi.org. Radiotopia. Radiotopia.